We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Kirk, Your Enthusiasm. You're joined by me, Kirk, and my guest from the ringer.com wazzy lambre big waz as he is known to lots and lots of people how are you today waz i'm fantastic man happy to be on with you kirk well if you don't know waz you should i have been listening to him in some way shape or form for like six years now i first heard him on the true hoop podcast network then he transitioned over to the athletic and now he is at the ringer where i'm going through the feed here he is on every possible <laughs> um from like group chat with my old boss rob mahoney to weekends with waz which is probably low-key I've, I've told you this it's like my favorite favorite Thank podcast you, on that feed he was on with bill simmons where he manages to keep bill simmons in check is there <laughs> nothing that you can't do i mean i i don't think so but you're the hardest you know, working man at the ringer and i think they des- you deserve a, you deserve a raise uh, well i would agree with you on that part 100 <laughs> i'll never disagree with the idea that i should be making more money that's for sure well speaking <laughs> of you, making thank money, you for the calm words kirk because we've oh, been absolutely. Um, friends for years now um, Ab- and you're always one of my favorite follows for sure I am certainly a lunatic online. That is the thing that is true. So speaking of of making money, this series that we have been watching between the the Jazz and the Mavericks have, have has had some money-making moments, particularly yeah. for one Jalen Brunson. But, you know, before this series started, did you have any real thoughts on it? Or was it just like the NBA TV series that we were all hoping we didn't have to talk about Rudy Gobert? No, because I've had a twisted, sick fascination with the Utah Jazz going back to... <laughs> The Gordon Hayward, Rodney Hood. Um, what do we do with our two bigs, Enos Cantor and Derek Favors? Like, I've been fascinated by Utah since those days. So this season 
was no different. And just the sniping between Rudy and Donovan in the media and just the implosion last year. I had a keen eye on this series just as a Utah Jazz watcher. So I, I was going to be paying attention no matter what. Yeah, and, and we all entered the offseason as Mavs fans kind of, I wouldn't say brokenhearted, but just very irritated because no one wanted to say this out loud because everyone gives Jason kids his flowers constantly. Luke had no business being in the game when he was hurt and it was stupid. And the fact that it hasn't come to bite them in the ass is kind of nothing short of a miracle, but also sort of exposes just how bizarre Utah actually is. Um, Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell is, is could teach a masterclass in deflection because he's he says all these like he looks you right in the eye and he tells you the thing that's happening is our fault, not his <laughs> fault. He, he's the living embodiment of the of the Uncle Phil meme where he's like, we, we <laughs> just on repeat. And, and it's been really, you know. I didn't think I disliked the Jazz that much until I've had to play. The, the Mavericks have played them nine times since Christmas. Wow. And that's too many. Like, that's like ABA type stuff. Where it's just too many games. Where the, and these teams have a healthy disdain for one another. And I, I'm really surprised that they uh, tied it 2-2. Now, with, with Luka Doncic back, is it safe? Like, would Luka have kind of changed the series to where it would have been a clean sweep? Or am I just being arrogant? I don't think that's arrogance at all when you've watched the actual games. I think his first game back, he was a little bit more tentative than where you certainly used to seeing Luka Doncic be. And they dominated the Jazz for the most part. Like, there's no two ways about it. Like, the Jazz were lucky to get out of that game four with their lives. And the rest of the series has basically been domination on the part of the Dallas Mavericks, specifically on offense and without Luka Doncic who everybody understands is one of the best offensive players in the league this is empirically true you can watch the games and it looks true he's one of the best offensive players in the game and yet without him they're slicing and dicing the Utah Jazz as if they're some CYO team as if they're sacred heart as my um high school coach would say it, it's little so- sisters of the poor excuse me that's what he would use Little well, Sisters of the Poor, which is a mental institution <laughs> in New York, by the way, just so you guys know. This and and Mavs fans primarily, like our 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 Mavs Moneyball group chat and, and Slack is constantly whining. They're like, oh well, we're talking about what the Jazz aren't doing as opposed to what the Mavericks are doing. Well, I mean, the Mavericks are just sort of hitting shots and yeah. playing a style of defense, which I I still don't understand because Dwight Powell was a, he was a turnstile for four years and now they're able to play him actual minutes. And it, that may be more because Rudy Gobert is a fraud of a role man as opposed it's, it's so confusing because with, yeah. with what's happening right now, I'm, I'm high on my, I'm, I'm kind of high on my own supply because last night was a really ridiculous victory over the jazz. And I, I see a path for the Western conference finals, which is crazy. To say out loud. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think the reason why, you know, it's been hard to just give the Mavs their due credit because look, is, is, and I have a soft spot for Jalen Brunson because mm. his father, Rick Brunson is a New York Nick legend. And even as somebody who's not a Nick fan, I always, I always just liked Rick Brunson as a, like a blue collar sort of hard nosed guy play that temple, all of that good stuff. Um, and so I, as much as I love Jalen Brunson, 
give me a break, fam. Like, the idea that there's not a person in the world who can stay in front of him is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, like, just watching him turn the Jazz defense into paper mache, I'm sorry, I have to acknowledge, like, this doesn't seem right. (laughs) Right. Like, even if you are the most, even if you're Jalen Brunson's mom, you don't think that it's normal that he would be doing this to set NBA playoff defenses, right? So I think that's the first reason as to why people are having a hard time accepting this. Um, at the same time, they've had an incredible game plan defensively um, for a team that everybody understood was a limited defensive group. Um, and the Jazz were known for scoring. Like, they used to be known for this hard-nosed defensive team, Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, all of that good stuff. But in recent years, they've been known as a score-first team. Um, and to just straight up just shut them down and what they want to do, I think they deserve credit for that on the defensive end, to be sure. It's it's really something because I was a Jason Kidd skeptic. And was local – I think I think anybody that was not, you know, a Mark Cuban, you know, fan fan guy was not, you know, there's just a lot of copy on Jason Kidd doing some kind of crazy stuff. Yep. And it's been buried because he was out of the league for a year, mm-hmm. which I think gets left behind. But he's really shown himself to be remarkably collaborative. Like I, I, I mentioned yeah. this to Mark Stein last night. I know all the assistant coaches' names. That's not a thing I'm used wow. to because they kind of cycle around. Like, you know who God Sham God is because he's off. Of course. Like he's a yeah, legend. He's been around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other players, it's like, oh, okay. Well, I know Sean Sweeney is the, the, the little redheaded guy that my wife had to explain to me why we can't see his eyebrows because he has red hair. And it's <laughs> it's just so odd that all of this has has worked out just so. And at the same time, I also have this sense of dread because if the Mavericks have to play the Suns, if they win game six or game seven, they have to play the Suns. And, you know, uh, Bridges could blot out the Sun with like Luca and with Brunson because the Jazz are so bad on the perimeter that I don't know it. This is this also. I guess what I'm sort of asking is, do you think this is smoke and mirrors, or is this more real than I'm willing to give it credit for? No, I don't think it's smoke and mirrors. And um, another thing is, uh, don't take it for granted that you're gonna play the Suns. I don't want to be hot takey guy over here, but you know, essentially since game one, where they're coming off of two straight playoff games and then barely any rest to go into game one, New Orleans has been just as good as the Suns have in this series. Um, You know, just want to say that. Uh, And as far as the Jason Kidd part of it, I think we have a hard time seeing coaches as people that can get better at what they do. Sure. And I think that's – Jason's kid has improved as a coach. We never think of coaches as guys like, you know, young guys get better. New coaches can get better as time goes on. I look at somebody like Monty Williams, for instance, in his New Orleans stop. He was not lighting the world on fire in any way. And that's not like X's and O's. I think the guys liked him, but he didn't seem like this incredible game manager, uh, you know, X's and O's guy, whatever. And now he's all of that and more in, uh, in Phoenix, right? And so, you know, I think of Eric Spolstra, from his first year with Miami where LeBron's giving him the shoulder bump to now, you know, where everybody 
universally understands him to be one of the five best coaches in the NBA. Sure. He'd go to the Hall of Fame now. Period. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So you've seen coaches improve with time, and I think that you that can be said about Jason Kidd. Uh, as far as is it fluky? I don't think it's. I think, yeah, the Jazz, <laughs> the Suns perimeter defensive depth is. Like light years <laughs> ahead of you, like in a way that is just like insane. Royce O'Neal and Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell—they're they're comically bad perimeter defenders, right? Where you're just like Daniel House is your best by far person option at that you know at that position. Uh, however, I, I you know I think Luca obviously is a special one-on-one player. And I think Jalen Brunson and uh, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, specifically are way above average on the ball creators um, and initiators, right? I look at a team that you can contrast, say Memphis, who has a Mm. dynamo like Ja on the perimeter. I don't think Desmond Bain and uh, Melton and Dylan Brooks are on the level of offensive initiators and creators on the ball that Brunson and Dinwiddie are. So that being like, as, as you know, I know Utah is just a horrible counterpart to what the Suns present as a problem, but I do think the, the personnel of the Dallas Mavericks is such that you can trust that they're going to be pretty damn formidable on offense, even going forward, even against elevated competition. Part of it is like, I'm pretty sure the last time the Mavericks beat the Suns was when Dirk dropped 50 points on Tim Thomas in 2011. Like, they're just a team that has the number of the Mavericks, and uh, they 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 scare me. Well, all right, so one of the other things I want to talk about was sort of the, the Luka Doncic of it all, because I've heard you on years, and one of my favorite things that you've come around on is is Nikola Jokic as a player. And I think yeah. just last week you talked about how, you know, several years ago you're just like, okay, neat. He throws a backdoor cut. Congratulations. But right. he, he's he, as over time he's he really has in, as he's gotten in shape, he's improved. He's just that good. Yeah. Um Luca is a divisive player to where I am curious as to what your thoughts are on on him as well as what the league's thoughts are on him because you know, um he just draw like people hate him who hate him. It's it's amazing. He's like he gives me Shawn Michaels vibes from back <laughs> in the day. Well, uh, it won't surprise you. I was HBK was my favorite wrestler Ooh. when I was growing up. Easily, easily the heartbreak kid, kiss the <laughs> kiss the biceps, <laughs> yeah, the super kick. I remember when he you know when he did the turn code against Marty Janetti, kicked him through the freaking uh, window. Like I, I remember all of that. Love HBK, so it wouldn't surprise you that I'm a Luka guy because, look, I keep saying this about the Clippers, man. Um, I remember I was at NBA Summer League when they got Kawhi and Paul George, and everybody basically agreed the Lakers have egg on their face uh, because they didn't get Kawhi. The Clippers are going to be amazing in perpetuity, and their geniuses and championships are going to befall them, and it's going to be incredible, and all of that shit, right? And, you know, this idea that Paul George and Kawhi, the greatest the perimeter defense combo of all times. I'm sorry. I watched Luka take a Ginsu blade to those cats. Yes, there was moments. There was moments where 
you know, he wore down. And Kawhi did have some great possessions against him one-on-one. But if you take the collective body of work, of his work against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, universally accepted and respected, perimeter, rangy, long-limbed, defenders, athletic, lateral quickness, all of that, Luka Doncic played incredible against them in the most important games of his career, in the most high leverage of situations, possession by possession. I don't, this is not a debate for me. Like, this is not even something I'll go back and forth with people against. You know, I remember when, before last year, when people had a problem with Devin Booker, and I was a Booker guy. And I could, but I could understand the skepticism, right? Because mm-hmm. there's just no body of work in games that actually mattered against set NBA defenses of elite caliber. Uh, this is, you can't say this about Luke. I'm sorry. And part of me feels sympathetic to it because when a bunch of dorky white guys in the media talk about a white, a white player and how great he is, a lot of people's antenna go up. Mm. Right. And 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 and, Fairly. I think, and I understand it. I understand the skepticism, but there's just no data that would support an argument against Luca not being the best at what he does. The, like, you like, I don't know how you can like I would love to hear this argument that he hasn't been when faced with playoff level competition, that he hasn't shown he's one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I haven't seen it. Somebody show me the empirical data that exists. That isn't just, oh, he's white. Oh, the media who is generally mostly white is propping him up. Oh, he's the next Adam Morrison. It's like, come on. So through 15 playoff games, 13 of which came against Kawhi and Paul George, he has averaged 33 points, 9.1 rebounds, 8.8 assists while shooting 50 and 40. What are we to, what are we doing here, Kirk? Like well, this this isn't a convo. <laughs> but but I I guess what I'm wondering, and, and this has been a conversation, like us in Mavsland are kind of notoriously sensitive because Dirk Nowitzki quite reasonably, you know, do you remember when um God, Pacers, uh, uh David West put his hands on Dirk's face and pushed him away? It was like 2008. There's a great true hoop story on it. Mm-hmm. I still go find it every now and again. Like Dirk was largely thought of as a bit of a wuss, and yeah. it was earned. Um, he tough guy, but different kind of toughness as we yeah. found it over time. I understood why players never were really interested in wanting to play with Dirk. Um, I think everybody likes Dirk. It's like universally good, you know, good dude, but kind of a killer. Whereas Luca, like we have a asshole Luca is a real thing. Like kills me because he's so <laughs> arrogant. And it, he did a shoulder shimmy last night after scoring on Boyan Bogdanovich, and it's like okay. <laughs> But that's his boy, so I get it. <laughs> oh, but but is there like so? One of the things we've been we we sort of debate is like because Luca and some of these other NBA players don't grow up with the AAU circuit and the friendships. Like I love seeing the stuff uh, today about um, Kevin Durant and Tatum going way back. Do you think that that results in any more of a challenge with team building when it comes to like like attracting players to play around him, or is it because Luca is a forty percent usage guy? I would think the 40% usage guy um, is is going to be more of a deterrent than that he's not an AAU guy because at the end of the at, – Yeah, at the end of the day, as so long as he achieves success 
people are gonna want to play with him. Steph Curry wasn't an AAU guy. That's true. And guess what? Uh, Kevin Durant was like, God damn. <laughs> like, look at what these fools are accomplishing. I will ruin my legacy to come play with you. Yeah, I, I, I think it, so long as you have sustained success, and the thing again, but Steph married that success with a version of basketball that Kevin Durant was like, holy smokes. I want to participate in that. That seems like egalitarian. It's more fun. It's free-flowing rather than what me and Russ were doing in OKC, which is the antithesis of that, which, of course, because Kevin Durant is like every other NBA player, millennial, he <laughs> changed his freaking mind and was like, I actually want to go back to ball dominance and, you know, superstar ball. Uh, I, th- I, don't, I don't buy the idea that people don't want to play with Luka. Uh, because he's not connected in the AAU uh, sense. I think he's just – he's got to achieve success. Um, he plays hard. He He's great legitimately, and I think people want to be around that. Um, and even if it's not the, you know, the, the say – I don't know, Donovan Mitchell's of the world or Bradley Bill. Cause like, who are we really talking about right. that would potentially come? You know, I see a guy like a big, like Rudy Gobert, who, you know, he's from France and all of that. But Tim McMahon reported, he was like, look, I yep. got it on good authority. Rudy Gobert would be obsessed with playing with Luca because he passes people the freaking ball. Like mm. he's an elite passer. He's, you know, it's basically LeBron. Jokic, Harden, and Luka. Like, and there's nobody's even close to that, right? Um, yep. When you combine the vision with the size. So I think he just has to have success and people will want to play with him. And, and you know, and, and at this point, we're not even doing free agency anymore. No. We're doing the freaking, you got to trade for him. So at a certain point, guys got to, tr- man's got to trade for guys. And Luka just makes it happen and makes it work and, you know, team success. Yeah, and I, I think... One of the things we've learned as Mavs fans the last year plus is is we had been indoctrinated, and even me. I mean, I had Mark Cuban come on this podcast. He asked to come on because he got tired of me kicking the shit out of him, and then I kind of I kind of backed off because it's like who like I you know I didn't go at the billionaire directly, but we we had been kind of criticizing them and him and Donnie for years because they just didn't do a good enough job, and now the Mavericks have a front office that is a little more connected. You know, Jason Kidd. Mm even before this run of success, there were guys who wanted him, you know, the, um, I, I think that's, that's going to be a big reason that Dame ends up asking out of Portland at some point, because mm-hmm. he didn't get his first choice. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, that's interesting to me with the team building moving forward. But I didn't want to, I, 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 I told you 20 minutes. I've already t- taken 20 minutes. I, I have a couple of quick questions. And yeah, then I will, ahead, man. don't worry oh, about it. Don't trip. Have Let's you go. seen Lucas shoes? The new, yes. the, what are your thoughts? Because I'm, my first I, thoughts were, e. I actually like them, but that's because okay. that's because I generally have a low opinion of what Jordan Brand has done with their non-Jordan athletes. Okay. And so, like, if you look at what they've done with Blake Griffin, with Carmelo, with Chris Paul, like, it's been pretty bad. Even Westbrook, who, again, is a cultural, pop cultural figure, specifically in this lane. Mm-hmm. in clothing fashion yep. and they've not been able to capitalize right like if you go out like Kanye had this great like rant in an interview where he's like look I like some of the music that Gaga put out and you know I think she's a talented artist but you know Polaroid goes out and signs her as the creative director of Polaroid he says I like Gaga what the fuck does she know about cameras right but like sometimes you can get somebody famous for something or it's relevant in a field and it doesn't matter that you stick their name on it 
I think the biggest indictment of Jordan Brand is like a guy like Russell Westbrook, who met his clothing line routinely sells out. Like this dude is in GQ, he's in Vogue, he's front row at Fashion Week, he's relevant in those circles, and they have not been able to launch a successful shoe of his. To me, that's the, one of the greatest indictments of what they do with their athletes. The Zion shoe was horrible. I think we all agree with that. And so I looked at the Luke. I was like, this is kind of the best shit they've put out, honestly, mm-hmm. for um, their non-Jordan signature athletes. So okay. I'm, I'm actually, and again, maybe this is damning with faint praise or, you know, the soft bigotry of low expectations or whatever. <laughs> uh, that's where I'm at with the shoe. I, I actually like it. I Because I'm a hack and I just, uh, you know, it's like a bright, shiny object. I have bought a couple pairs of the lat like the the PEs for the last uh few like Luca related Jordans and they're just boats. I don't yeah. understand like he played in them. Like I th- that's a like the shoe playing thing now that I'm older and I I realize I never did have a vertical jump just always played in heavy shoes. When I when I see these dudes play in heavy shoes it's like like uh, which one the Morris brothers play one of them plays in foams. And I'm like yeah, how that, are you that, playing in bricks? Insane. That's that's a sh- that's a that's a sort of <laughs> that's a fashion statement thing, but I think what what gets underrated too, and shouts to my man Nate Jones and Dame Lillard, what they're doing with those moving soles, they get like they're not wearing those flat ass insoles that we're playing in when we just buy the shoe okay. and just keep it. They're adding tech to the sneaker afterwards that makes it more viable for them to do their job as professional athletes. If a if anybody listens has ever put their foot in a phone posit, it is one of the most uncomfortable sneakers in the history of sneakers. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think NBA guys, are, they're modifying those sneakers. And you can get Nike when you're an athlete to put, you know, depending on your stature, to put customizations in certain models, you know, depending on your foot and its size and all of that. Same with Adidas and all of them. So, I think that's why they're able to do the stuff with those sneakers. Um, and the reason why is because their version isn't the same as sold in foot action. Okay. That I think I knew that, but I didn't know it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that just because like I fell deep into shoe culture about six or seven years ago. And now because I, I work from home, I have nowhere to wear any of this stuff. So it's like, <laughs> right. like I'm, I'm a 30, I'm a 37 year old man with a bright neon red pair of like Jordan 34s. I'm like, what am I, do- why? And then I'll buy the next one. I'll absolutely buy this pair. Like I'm just a hack. It's, it's, it's a real problem. It's, it's okay. We've all been indoctrinated into consumerism and just buying shit that we don't need. I can't stop. I know, I know it's bullshit and I still, can't stop <laughs> yeah yeah well this has been absolutely fantastic and just what i'd hope for because i think i've been bothering over the last two days i've gotten two people to come on shows that i've been kind of low-key pestering mark stein yesterday and you today so this is exciting for me thank you so much for your time do you have anything that you would like to to plug before you get out of here um i would just tell people to check us out on the ringer nba uh podcast uh me justin varia rob mahoney for group chats on wednesday and then on the weekends i do a show where i just interview various friends of mine across the nba media the adam Uh, mara's show about the nuggets like adam is one of i've adam's one of my very good friends and that was like he's just he's so passionate about Jokic. 
I like, love he's it. Like, I love it though. It's great. Yeah, you it was know, a great pod. Like, and, and I feel like that's what people want to hear. Is because because to me, the people that are most passionate about what they're doing have a greater, deeper understanding about what it is that they're passionate about, and can explain things to mm. people in a way that somebody who's dispassionate, I really truly believe, can't do it. Oh, so. I got off the pod and went and looked up different. Jokic positionings because you're like oh yeah they run Jokic off an Iverson cut and I'm like wait really holy <laughs> cow they do- like what like that's just like that sort of stuff I just love it anyways yeah. thank you so much for for using part of your uh well, I guess it's Tuesday um yeah and I will try to have you back one day in the future yes sir no problem All right, guys buddy. this has been uh Kirk your enthusiasm with uh Wasney Lambre and there's tons of shows on my feed go download and listen to them because uh, help me make this a record-breaking month and I will talk to you guys after game six uh, when the Mavericks hopefully defeat the Jazz. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.